You're listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind with Jess Kovic, episode number 26. Welcome to Confessions of the Creative Kind. I'm your host, Jess Kovic, media producer by day, designer, photographer, and creative entrepreneur by later that day. Join me as I stumble through life as an artist, pick myself up, and confess everything that I've learned on the way down. Y'all ready for this? Let's do it. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. I am back at home. The last two podcasts I recorded in sunny Florida, although it rained sometimes. It wasn't always sunny. I was there for work and for vacation. And then I went straight from the vacation to home. The very next morning, I drove to Las Vegas for a music festival. Life is beautiful. I don't know why, because I'm a glutton for punishment. No, actually, it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was great. None of it was punishment. I can't complain at all. I had a blast with all of the things that I did. Just to give you a little recap, went out to Disney World for a photo shoot for work for a week. Then the following week, my husband and some friends came out and we vacationed for, I think, about five days and had an absolute blast. We went to all the parks. We went to Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure as well. Harry Potter there is awesome and way better than the one in Hollywood. However, I have to say that the Simpsons land, and if you don't know already, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. The early seasons, we're talking one-ish and then seasons two through ten-ish. But it was a dream come true for me to see the Simpsons land at Universal in Hollywood and the food there is bomb. Going to the one in Florida was awesome and they had a couple different things namely a jebediah springfield statue the noble spirit in biggins the smallest man however it didn't feel as special as the one in hollywood for one thing the eatery that they have in la they have separate buildings for each eateries so there's a separate building for the luigi's pizza place in florida it's all in one building for the most part and it's kind of like a mall cafeteria and you get in one line and then go to the stall that you want to go to not as cool feel feel like they kind of skimped out on that we walked so much we walked about 10 miles a day about twenty-two thousand steps a day give or take according to my apple watch and my shins got really sore by the second and last day it was like taxing to walk But I forgot all about that when I went to Vegas. My shins were fine. Went with my sister-in-law, Mary, and had a great time. We saw a bunch of great musical acts. My favorites of, let's see, Friday, we saw B. Miller, and I hadn't listened to her a ton. There's a couple songs I had already liked from her, so I wanted to go see her set. And she was really great. And that's my favorite thing, to go to festivals and see artists that I don't know or I don't know that well and get into them based on their live performance. And she was fantastic. She does a song with Jesse Reyes that I think is the newest one. Jesse Reyes wasn't there, but I'm now addicted to that song. I'll link it in the show notes. We saw Billie Eilish, which was a highlight for the festival for us. One of the acts we were most excited to see was her. And she was amazing and great. However, I will say that the crowd for her set was a lot more aggressive than the other sets. We tried to get up really close and we got really, really close for a festival of that size. Not quite to the metal bar in the front, but it was just the two of us girls and we wedged our way in there. 
and got there really pretty early so we could have a good spot for her and I was fine I was chilling have a good time it wasn't that hot because it can get very hot and easy to overheat in that small enclosed space but I was doing just fine until about 10 minutes before she went on I started to feel faint and I started to feel like I was either going to pass out or throw up or shit my pants just something of a loss of control and definitely didn't want to do that but we were so far into the front that getting out of there would be next to impossible and it would take a long time I also really wanted to see the show so I didn't want to leave but I held out for another five minutes and just tried to breathe this hasn't happened to me in that magnitude before I've been very close at shows and I've gotten very hot before but this was kind of a different feeling I didn't know what was going on Finally, I told my sister-in-law, I need to get out. And we tried to make our way out and people wouldn't move. And then people did move. Some people are really nice and they say, hey, get out of these girls way. And they were trying to forge a path. And then once we started to move, I started to feel okay. So I felt like it's going to take us so much longer to get out of here. Let's just stay. I'm fine now. And the point where we stopped and I said, oh, I'm fine. Let's just stay here. I'm okay. The guys behind me were like, oh, convenient, convenient. But in reality, we were way further up before I started to move. So I don't know. They can suck a dick, I guess. I really wasn't feeling well. (laughs) It turns out I was getting sick. So I was feeling fluish and faint. And that's what was happening to me. Probably was getting sick from traveling or just being enclosed with all of those people. I'm just getting over that sickness now. You might hear it a little bit in my voice. I'm definitely feeling very mucusy. Wow, that's a lot of information. So sorry. Other notable acts. Let's see. The highlight of the entire festival was Janelle Monet. She is an incredible performer. I think she's maybe getting more mainstream now, but really for how incredible and talented she is, I don't think she's become as much of a household name as one might expect after seeing her. We got really close for Janelle Monet as well, but the crowd was a lot more chill and we were able to dance and that was just a really really pleasant experience and another standout was Maggie Rogers I was a little bit lukewarm on her I I've heard her songs and they're good but I wasn't obsessed um, until I saw her perform and she's an amazing performer so I will be more invested in her music moving forward but it's always a great experience going to festivals. I love it. I love getting lost in the crowd and just seeing cool music and eating a ton of great food. And Vegas, I love being in Vegas because there's a ton of people watching and just being up all night and the gluttony of it all. Definitely can't stay in Vegas for more than three-ish days before you want to get the hell out. But I have a good time there. Another highlight of Life is Beautiful Fest is they had pianos all over the grounds and if you've ever seen how people kind of do make them over in an artful way, most of them were out of tune and not great instruments at that time, but they're, they were all painted and just part of the decor of the festival, but they were all over. So it was cool because I, as you may or may not know, have been trying to learn, I've been learning the piano, been practicing, and it gave me the opportunity just to keep the dexterity loose in my fingers and continue to practice while I was away. So that was super fun. I will note that I hauled my keyboard, one of my keyboards, a cheaper one, all the way to Florida so that I could practice while I was traveling there too. I did get a chance to practice a bit in the hotel room at night or when I wasn't working. But once my husband and friends showed up, I didn't have as much time because we were out having a vacation, enjoying the the parks and, and such. So moving on. I want to revisit my request to get more reviews on Apple Podcasts and any of the 
platforms in which you might be listening to this podcast, but Apple Podcasts is the number one of note. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or an Apple device, or you can get to an Apple device, say you have a Android phone, but you have an iPad, please do me the favor, if you would be so kind, and leave me a review. A five-star rating and review would help me out a lot and help other people find this podcast so we can all grow together. And I would appreciate every single one of you that does that. I am going to institute another stretch goal when I get to episode 30, which is just four more episodes away. So we don't have a ton of time. That would mean about four weeks for you all to go graciously give me a review. If you're liking what you hear and you want to share with the rest of the world so that they can find us, please leave a review. I have been and will continue to give each person that gives me a review a shout out. That being said, if you've left a review on another platform that I haven't read, DM me on social media and let me know that it's somewhere so I can go read it and I can thank you appropriately and give you a shout out. So I'm going to make the goal by the 30th episode of this podcast, by the time I record it, so before you hear it, It'd be super awesome cool if we got 20 reviews in the Apple Podcasts. Right now, we're at 12. We're looking to fill eight more slots in in those reviews. If you've been meaning to write a review, now's a great time. I haven't decided what I want the stretch goal, I guess, reward to be. I've got a couple of ideas, but if you have any ideas, message me, leave a comment, or send me a message on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and let me know what would be a cool thing you'd want to hear. Maybe a subject, maybe you'd like to like me to reach out to someone to have on as a guest. I can't promise they'll want to be on it, but I'll try. Maybe I could stream, do a live stream on maybe Instagram or Twitch. We'll figure Twitch out. Haven't decided or set that in stone, but if you have any ideas, let me know. We'll figure it out by the next time I record a podcast, so this next week. And we'll do something fun for the 30th episode if we get 20 reviews. I'm counting on all of you. Let's do it. Speaking of which, the latest review that I received from a very nice person, the username goes by Atticus DSF, left me a very sweet review and I want to thank them personally so much because like I said, this helps me out a lot and just to know that you guys are out there listening and this is impactful to you is, it means a lot and it makes me want to keep doing this because you know, it's hard to know how you're all taking this in. And I get some statistics on the back end, but to really hear your words, it means a lot to me. So I want to thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, Atticus DSF, who said, think creatively on your commute. And I would like to agree with that sentiment. Let's all think creatively together and listen to this podcast. So thank you again. And I'd like to point out that in their review, they mentioned dealing with the imposter syndrome in their own work as a creative and I I have to say I feel for you and I'm sorry that you have those feelings but I will say that it's normal and a lot of people do especially in creative fields and I wanted to share that I experienced that myself a lot so much so that I thought this would be a great episode for this podcast to talk to you all about my experience with imposter syndrome and talk about some ways that I would like to combat it and navigate it in my professional career and all my creative endeavors. Sound good? I think so. And that's what counts right now because I can't hear any of you. At least I know that Atticus DSF is on board. My first thoughts on imposter syndrome, besides my personal feelings and experience with it, is that I wanted to say that it affects women a lot, and I think that is true. 
And I think that our societal history with women and still not having a lot of equality with men in a lot of ways, I think that's definitely true and brought on by society and the roles that are impressed upon women. And when they're stepping out of those norms to do things that might not be expected of them, they might too feel like an imposter or feel like they aren't good enough or shouldn't be doing it. But I don't want to say that women are the only ones that deal with it. I think it's rampant amongst creatives and just a lot of people in general. I'm going to break it down a little bit for anyone that might not know exactly what I'm referring to when I'm referring to imposter syndrome. I don't really want to be in the habit of reading definitions to you, but I thought that this one was important, at least in the context that I read it. While doing some research for this topic, I stumbled across an article from about 10 years ago from the Harvard Business Review, but they defined imposter syndrome as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. And I want to look at that a little bit closely as a collection of feelings, meaning more than one time. I think everyone probably feels this way one time or another, and that's totally normal and and doubt is a part of our humanness. But when talking about the collection of feelings and that it persists, which is also in the definition, is that it suggests a problem or suggests that it is overtaking our normal lives or overtaking the goals that we want to achieve and accomplish or the way that we want to live our lives because we are stifled by imposter syndrome. And the bit about despite evident success An example of this might be that you get promoted at a job and you get the senior title manager, whatever the promotion is, and you feel like, oh my goodness, I don't deserve this. They're going to find out. They're going to take it away. People are going to see me in this role and think that I can't handle it. When in reality, your supervisor has evaluated and provided evidence that you have met certain benchmarks. You've improved in certain ways. A lot of times with numerical fact of your efficiency or your productiveness or your output increasing, yet you still feel like an imposter. You're getting the accolades, but not letting them penetrate and not letting them feel like you deserve it. And this can be perpetuated, like I said, with women because of society or having certain attributes like feeling like you're too young or you're too old or you started this too late. Being hung up on a certain thing that makes you feel inadequate to anything really can be an excuse, especially with someone suffering from imposter syndrome. So why are we made to feel this way, to feel less than in something that we are doing and possibly excelling at, but not giving ourselves the credit for I'm going to speak a bit to my own personal experience because that's the only thing I know for sure and I can share with confidence. Maybe some of you feel similarly. And one of the reasons I wanted to cover this topic besides getting the the mention of it in Atticus DSF's review about imposter syndrome is that I, I was just talking about this topic or at least something similar that's related with my therapist. I started to see a therapist probably a month ago, maybe two months. I think two months. This is not the first time I've seen a therapist. This is, I think, the third and a half time. I say half because one of them was a hypnotherapist. Every other time I've sought out therapy, it's because there was something situational going on in my life that I wanted help coping with. 
And this time, my main reason for going was to combat my stage fright and fear of mostly singing in public in front of people. And I have identified all other areas of my life in which I am a perfectionist and ways that have held me back. So this time, I kind of wanted to go in and delve into all of my maybe childhood experiences and just the way that I think and why those things are manifesting in stage fright, feeling uncomfortable in the spotlight, despite the fact that I want to and crave it and crave having that experience. But in my last session of therapy, we were talking about music and me learning the piano and learning to sing. And I mentioned the fact that if someone were to ask me if I played an instrument, my immediate response would probably be something to the effect of no, or I try, or well, I'm taking piano classes, or I've been, I've been practicing. Well, I can play like one or two songs. And I know that that is discrediting myself. I know that cognitively that that is not giving myself the credit for having done this practice and improving over the past two years, that two years-ish that I've been studying and doing this. And immediately when it left my mouth, the, the face on my therapist was just concerned and like saddened, I guess. And I knew exactly why. It's because it's self-deprecating and it's the imposter syndrome, really, of feeling like what I'm doing is not good enough or because for whatever reasons I've made up in my mind that I'm not a musician or I don't play the piano. I wouldn't even feel comfortable really saying I play the piano because I don't play with proficiency because I haven't been playing since I was a kid because I can't read music quickly yet. And all pretty ridiculous reasons that are not rational. And that's how my therapist described it as that is self-deprecating and irrational thinking. And irrational because the truth is I I play piano. I play every single day. I practice and I brought the damn thing to Florida on my work trip and vacation. And I play piano. That is a fact. That is a circumstance. That is for me to say that I don't or I to not feel comfortable is irrational because I do. So it goes for anybody that's doing anything and you have that first notion to not admit it or not give yourself credit. If you are an artist, you draw, you paint. But if someone were to ask you, are you an artist or a creative? And you say, oh, no, 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 no. But in fact, you are and you you draw or you you do the thing, so you are. For me personally, and I definitely have been thinking about this a lot since we've talked in my last session, about why I would take that away for myself, why I take away the hard work that I've been doing and essentially lie or have that irrational thinking and the thought error of not being able to call myself a musician or at the basic terms saying that I play piano or I sing. My go-to would always just be, oh, well, I try. <laughs> Or if someone says, do you sing? Um, yeah, but not well. <laughs> but that's completely my opinion based not on facts. And for me, it feels like because it's important, because it's something I care about, something I really want to do, it's too important and it's coveted and it's something that I really don't want to be bad at or screw up on it because it's so important to me. We've been doing a lot of work on unraveling that pressure. And even though I really am passionate about wanting to do this, taking away the pressure of having to or having to do it perfectly or a certain way. If I'm not doing it perfectly, it means that I'm not doing it. I also struggle with the 
judgment of others. I mean, who doesn't really? It's something I think I can safely say that we all are afraid of being judged. And for me to say, I'm a piano player and have someone say, okay, we'll play a Beethoven symphony or something. When I couldn't play that, I would feel shame and I would feel like they are judging me because I can't do that. And that means that I can't do anything. And that all or nothing thinking is really, that's the thought error. There are gray areas and that doesn't have to be so black and white is what I have to keep telling myself. Seeing others that are seemingly more progressed in the skill set and the thing that I'm doing. Again, that goes back to comparison complex in which I talked about in another episode, but comparing myself to others and their skill set and not really knowing all the work that they put in to get there or their struggles or the fact that they possibly, probably are dealing with their own sets of insecurities and their own imposter syndrome of feeling like they're not as good as another person that is more progressed than they are. To me, saying that I'm a thing, a singer, a musician, an artist is opening myself up in a vulnerable way and letting people decide or judge if that statement is really true. I envision a situation where I would say I'm a singer and someone would immediately have a picture of their head of what they think a singer is, assume that that's what it should be, and they want to challenge whether or not I'm as good as that. That's a lot of work and a lot of extracurricular thinking that is so unnecessary and causes so much negativity and stifles growth. Really bad habits that I would like to grow out of. And of course, the very traditional thoughts of being afraid that I'm going to be found out that say that person has the picture in their head and I've said I play piano or I'm a singer and I do get met with the challenge of them asking me to play something impossible and I can't do it and oh God, I'm found out and I am a liar and and false with my statement that I could do these things. Another fear that I think is very common is waiting for the other shoe to drop, just waiting for, like I said, with this being something good and something important and that you're passionate about, something I'm passionate about, that if I'm doing the thing, waiting for the disaster to strike or the waiting for the thing to be taken away instead of just enjoying it and feeling accomplished for getting to where I've got so far. That last one, I feel like I've experienced more in my career as a creative person in design and photography. I've been working in this field for over 11 years now and still feel the imposter syndrome in that. A lot of it stems from having different disciplines. I like to call myself a Jane of all trades, at least in interviews, where I have taken an interest in things that vary in the media spectrum. So photography, video, illustration, graphic design, even dabbled a little bit in UX and UI design. And a lot of times I felt like I've spread myself so thin, feeling like I had to do all of the things to be considered an asset and then lamented the fact that I didn't excel in the one thing, become an expert in that one thing. Even my first job out of college when I worked for Disney, I was hired as a photo research assistant. I had gone to a photography school and majored in graphic design. Something in my brain said that not all of those things are going to add up, that I was not worthy to have this position that had photography in the title because I majored in graphic design. Even as I say that out loud, it sounds so silly, but that's how I felt. And I felt like I was going to be found out and that I had to 
fake it till I made it. The truth was I was very capable and I, I had studied photography and the work that I was doing, I was learning on the job either way. I don't think anyone that would have majored in photography would have came into that job and known exactly what to do because in reality I was doing photo research. I wasn't hired necessarily to take pictures. I ended up taking pictures later. And throughout my career, I've, I've gone back and forth between positions within creative fields in design and photography. So when I was doing a lot more producing and art buying, I felt like an imposter because I was said to have this creative field and background, but I wasn't actually doing it in my day job. I felt like I was too far removed, which made me feel some type of way as well. I have applied to literally thousands of job postings from the two times that I've been laid off and when times when I've just wanted a new career position and was applying to things, I've applied to so many things and definitely out of desperation and feeling like I had to apply to everything so that something would respond back to me. I did look at positions and see if it said, must have five years of experience, and I only had three and a half. I felt like I couldn't apply to that, which is so silly. And now that I'm a little bit on the other side, and I have interviewed people before, feeling like a lot of times they say that, they say a five, but that doesn't really mean shit. It could be that someone has a ton of experience because they were doing that exact thing and they've only been doing it a year. So I mean, there's a difference between levels of proficiency and whether you're at manager level or not, but the three to five years is kind of bullshit. And, and for me, it perpetuated my own feelings of being an imposter, feeling like I was not worthy of this position because of those technicalities. And I mean hell I've experienced imposter syndrome with this podcast it took me a long time to even get up the nerve to start to record and put out this podcast because I wanted to do it for a really long time you know something inside says you don't have enough enough experience as a creative you don't have enough experience as a personality people are not going to want to listen to you or you're not going to be able to express your thoughts concisely eventually I just did it. I'm very glad that I am doing it. I still have feelings of doubt, but at this point I can say that I'm doing it. If someone were to ask me if I'm a podcaster, I would probably be met with the same insecurities that I feel when I am asked if I sing or play piano because all the excuses I've banked up in my head. I haven't been doing that it that long. There's only X amount of people listening. Who am I to be quote unquote preaching about any of these subjects. What I've been trying to grow into and learn and what I know and have to train my primal thinking out of these bad habits and negative self-deprecating thoughts is that perfection doesn't exist and it's a lot better to enjoy the process and the journey and that feeling like an imposter really discredits all of the work that I've done all the work that you've done in whatever you're trying to do, it's worth the practice of thinking about all the things that you've done towards your goal and doing and practicing and researching and studying and making mistakes is all part of it. And it doesn't mean you're not doing it. You're still doing it. And the idea of actually being the thing is arbitrary. Really, as soon as you pick up a paintbrush and you put it to a paper or a canvas or anything, you're a painter. As soon as you sing a note, you're a singer. As soon as you play the piano with some, you know, intention, you're not just banging around, you play the piano. So when we're unable to internalize 
the success or accolades or compliments, we're doing ourselves a disservice because for one, we don't get to experience that goodness of gratitude from another person. We don't get to experience the gratitude that we should be giving ourselves and we don't, we just don't get to feel good and we don't get to enjoy the thing that we wanted to do so passionately in the first place. And again, we discredit all of our knowledge and experience up to now. What I did find interesting in some of my research was that the imposter syndrome is usually linked with perfectionism, which I definitely identify with, and not necessarily low self-esteem. So it can be, but often people that are very high achievers and do a lot of things, CEOs at giant corporations, multi-million dollar musicians, artists, people that are perceived to be very successful, making lots of money in very high positions, feel like imposters. And there's tons of articles and famous people that you can research and look up that have stated that they feel like an imposter. They feel like, how did I get here? And I find some comfort in that because even the most skilled person, the person that you're probably looking up to or wishing that you were or or are comparing yourself to is probably either comparing themselves to others or doubting their ability or feeling like an imposter themselves. When I went to Google imposter syndrome and I took a glance at all of the images, most of what I saw were diagrams of showing, really breaking down what's going on with the imposter syndrome. And it's usually a circle graph with one of the circles being what you think you don't know. And the other circle is what they think they don't know. Part of the overlap in in between is what you actually know or something like that. Anyway, it's to illustrate the fact that other people are also having these thoughts and you're not alone. And it's really worth taking a look at what you have accomplished or maybe not even what you've accomplished but what you what effort you've put in and I wanted to share that a major area in which I feel the imposter syndrome is something I haven't really talked about publicly I've talked about with friends and family but I experience it in this area quite a bit and it's the fact that I am associated with other creative people that are successful and well-known and one of them being my husband who is a content creator and has been putting out content for the past 10 11 years over a decade and has gained a following and that can be perceived as successful and people know who he is and I'm biased but I think he's extremely talented and has worked really hard earned his success and I'm incredibly supportive of that and proud and amazed by him. But what I deal with is what I call the runoff of people that are looking for him, say on social media, and they find him, they find, they search the last name and my name comes up, Jess Kovic, and they follow me and they know of me. Maybe you yourself, that's how you found me or how you came to listen to this podcast. And if you did, Welcome. (laughs) Happy to have you. However, in talking about all this and this whole podcast um, based on wanting to share my experiences with you all and be vulnerable and I would be remiss to not share that with all that in mind and feeling like a lot of times I'm plagued with the thought that anybody that is following anything I do or knows of me at all is because they found me through him and the negative thoughts come up that They're not interested in anything that I have to say or create or my work or anything personal to me. They're only there to possibly catch some photos of my husband or his related content and work. 
And I let it eat away at me and I let it bother me and affect my self-worth. And again, the cognitive, my cognitively, I know that that's not something I should hang my self-worth on and it's not coming from him at all. It's coming from my own brain and it's not coming from any audience or anybody else. It's coming from the fact that I'm discrediting my own efforts by dismissing anyone that might want to be interested in any of the work that I'm doing because my last name is Kovic. And those are real thoughts that I have and things that I battle. And the reality is that everyone has a choice on who they want to follow on Instagram and who they want to reach out to or listen to or, you know, you you all have choices and you don't have to listen to this podcast and you don't have to follow me on Instagram, even if you are a fan of my husband's work. But for the people that do, they have that choice and they could just as easily unfollow when they see that I'm not constantly posting pictures of him and I'm posting pictures of my cats and me and maybe an artful photo or two or the things that are going on in my life. And they can choose to unfollow. And I'm sure people do. And I'm sure there are people that found me through my husband and only followed because they thought that I play video games and I would be talking about their content all the live long day and I'm not. And they might have unfollowed or they're still just waiting around for that content. But there are people that want to be interested in the things that I do because even if they were introduced through my husband, they are enjoying it. That's something that I have a hard time with, that I struggle with, that I need to remember that everyone has a choice and they don't have to engage with my content. And secondly, it shouldn't really matter. I'm reminded to just be really grateful that I have somewhat of a platform to reach more people and that's really cool and not everyone has that access. So I'm happy to have people discover me and get to know what I'm doing and view my work and my creativity and have this platform where anybody, even one person that might have found me through my husband is listening to this or following my my art. So it's real. Like I can't I can't say that it doesn't affect me. I can't say that I don't think those thoughts, but I also realize it's a thought error. It's a, something that I don't want to be the forefront of why I do what I do. So just to kind of wrap this conversation up, I want you all to know that you're not alone and that anybody that you are looking at on the internet or a celebrity or the person in your class next to you that you think is so much better of an artist or the booth next to you at the convention floor that seems to be making so many more sales than you are or to all the people that have achieved success or just strive for growth and have strived to do things that they're passionate in, take a minute and congratulate yourself for your effort and acknowledge how far you've come. Even if you just started today or yesterday, you've started and you're doing the thing and you should be proud of yourself. When someone compliments you, say, thank you, I'm working on it. Or thank you, I've been trying really hard. Or thank you, I I like the way that came out too. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that I'm trying to remind myself and hope that it helps you as well. And the idea that success, something that I think I've identified as an issue for me in this area is that with success brings visibility and visibility can lead to judgment. Maybe looking at visibility as more of a sharing 
I've talked about this on the podcast before of wanting just to share our experiences. And that's really what art and being creative is all about is it's a form of expression and wanting to share that with others and this whole human experience. And personally, not being able to take a compliment or feeling like I have to negate it in some way, maybe speaks to a lack of trust. Maybe that's something others have identified with as well so you have a hard time when someone says that design is awesome and you think oh no it's not i need so much work i'm not done with it it's a work in progress like oh i I couldn't get this part right or you think like oh they're just being nice they're just saying something i deal i do that a lot i dismiss a lot of compliments or encouragement and just say oh they're just and i think oh they're just being nice or they're just trying to say something to make me feel good or because it's the right thing to do but the reality is again people don't have to do that they don't have to say anything you know the if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything at all some people do say mean things but you know if someone's going to compliment you just take it just say thank you your idea of success is not necessarily my idea of success and you know the the person next to you and Really think about what your definition of success is and evaluate if you like it. If you feel like success is earning a lot of money or receiving awards or accolades or followers, just take a look at if that's really your reason or just the reason you think is going to bring success and decide if you like it or not. If you don't like it, maybe there's other reasons for you to be doing the things that you're doing. A lot of the work that I've been talking about with my therapist is in particular with music, she asks me if I am just going to play the piano or sing by myself alone in a room for myself for the pure enjoyment of it. Does it matter how I sound? Does it matter if I never perform for anybody? If I never do this in front of anyone ever and it's only for me, would I still enjoy it? And that's tripped me up quite a bit because I want to say yes, but I'm really trying to evaluate what is it about wanting to do it around other people is a goal of mine. And if I can strive to just really enjoy it, and I do enjoy it when I'm practicing, but just focusing on that and remembering the passion of it could take away some of the anxiety or some of the feeling like an imposter and remembering that I'm doing the thing. Even if I'm alone in a room and no one hears me, the tree still falls, right? Another mantra that I learned from Brooke Castillo, a podcast, self-help podcast that I listened to, the Life Coach School, a lot. She says to access your wisdom. And instead of saying, I don't know, or I can't, or in that vein, you do know. And accessing your wisdom about your experience and what you know, and not defaulting to I can't, or I don't know how. Maybe it's I'm learning, or I'm figuring out, or I'm going to figure out giving yourself some credit for the effort that you've put in and know that that means something. One thing that has tripped me up in the past and does sometimes too, but I've done a lot of thought work on this, is that if you weren't born with a natural ability in something, maybe you just put your pencil to the paper and you draw something incredibly amazing and at the age of four years old, if you don't do that, then that means you're not an artist or you never can. There are some exceptions where people are naturally gifted, but in most cases, people have worked really hard for a really long time. I'm no exception. You're no exception. If there's something that you want to do that you're not naturally good at, it's going to take time. A lot of you have already put in the time and you've worked really hard and maybe you haven't even stopped to think how long you've been doing the thing. I know I do that a lot. It feels like crazy to me to say that I've been in my career working in design and photography for over a decade. That seems crazy. It seems like so long. And I 
never really refer to myself as an expert or of anything. Looking back at that time and looking back at the past two years as I've been working on my online store as a designer and a shop owner, a lot of experience comes to that. That thought is what pushed me to start this podcast, even with all the doubts and imposter syndrome and not thinking that I was good enough to do this. That was a guiding thought of just really sitting down and thinking about the time and the logistics of like, yeah, I've actually been doing this a while if I think about it. And if I just allow myself to really think about the knowledge and the experience that I've gained, it's not nothing. The last thing that I want to offer or say is that what could it hurt? If we just lean into compliments and accolades and the positions that we're in, if you have successfully acquired a position, creative position, your day-to-day job, or if you've gotten a freelance gig, or if someone has entrusted a commission to you, or you're doing the thing, you're practicing piano every single day, and someone compliments you, or you think about the position that you're in, instead of dismissing it, if we were to just say, thank you, or I deserve this, or delight in the fact that other people are encouraging you, or encouraging yourself and giving yourself the patent on the back, what would it hurt? What would it hurt? It wouldn't hurt anybody else. You're not going to cause anybody else any harm. You're not hurting yourself. And in fact, if you really, really, truly believe that and lean into it, you'll actually feel good. And I know personally that it might take a minute, take some work to get to the point where you really, truly believe it. But if you did, you'd feel so much better. And there's no harm in leaning into that. You've got the position. Take advantage of it. Show up and do the best you can and continue your growth. Play the part you're already in. All right, guys, that was a little bit deeper than I intended on going this evening that I'm recording this, but here you go. And I hope you find it helpful. And I hope that all of us that are experiencing the imposter syndrome at some point or another can accept the doubt as part of the process and very human of us, but not get stuck there and embrace where you are and your passion in doing the thing that you want to do and just say thank you thank you all for listening and we'll talk more next week have a great week guys Thank you so much for listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind. If you'd like to see more of my work, you can visit my website at jesskovic.com. And if you're interested in snagging some of my design products, you can visit my online art boutique at sugarbunchcreative.com. You can find and connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at jess underscore kovic. And finally, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store and then tell a friend. Why not? Until next time, take care and talk soon.